0: Turn to 1 Kings. We're going to be in chapter 10. Continuing on in our study through Kings. We pick it up where we left off. And this is where we are at. Didn't get the title to the guys that do the titling. And now I'm looking and there's nobody there doing the titling. You are? Oh. Oh. I got him misplaced. So the title for this has just a little bit clever of an edge, but you'll see how it plays out. It's called The Queen of Bling Pays Homage to Her King. There you go, it's the best I could do. A notable story, and it's true, we're talking about a queen. This queen, a mystery, only geopolitically is assumed as Old Testament would suggest, a land that we can't necessarily know with certain, but we think that it's modern-day Yemen on the southwestern tip of Arabia. With that, if you go all the way down there, it would be at its southernmost area it's a nation by itself so you have to understand that it's part of the continent but it's the nation that is on the lowest edge of the continent it is on the shoreline of what would be the Arabian Sea and if you were on that seashore and going right then you would run into the inlet of what would be the Red Sea so there you go on the blackboard of your mind, you are now there. However, she won't be there very long. For in this text of scripture, she will be traveling. She will be traveling actually quite a ways. The distance from where her residency is and her entourage will set forth from, we're just gonna round it up to 1400 miles. So 1,400 miles, being kind to these travelers from afar, let's put it at perhaps eight hours a day. Let's just say that's reasonable for that climate, and the terrain would take them about 58 days approximately to move from home to home. Hmm? From home to home, not able necessarily to say geopolitically that's their home, but the picture is that's God's home. Where God's home is, that's where homies are. That's what you do. You go and leave the hood and you go to the place that God's residency has been established. So that in your mind, It's almost making me thirsty now to even teach on it, is where we're at. This expedition, we'll assume, shall take that long. You can beat the camels. You can thrash the mules. You can threaten the labor force. Chances are it won't get you there any faster. That may also be a good word for us, too. It's not by power and it's not by might. It's by my spirit, thus says the Lord. Great verse. Its application right now is saying God knows what he's doing. He knows how he's directing people. And it may, in fact, be a labor to ultimately get them to the destination that brings them into his presence. But it is a work that he's doing, and it's a work that we pray for. We pray for that with regard to the work that God wants to do in the church today. It doesn't matter whether there's three or two, anyone who comes in line, in harmony, and the pilgrimage to be in the house of the Lord is worthy of everything that he's got, all the attention that he desires to give a person. Whether there were a thousand people here, which it wouldn't fit unless we really worked hard to make it work. We know this place can fill at least 400 seats because we tried it at a wedding. Jerusalem would have been a massive populace. And Solomon's reputation would have been unconstrained to the known world. And so compelling was it that this woman, rare to be in a imperial position of authority would say, we're going to Jerusalem. I must see the king. So even on a political stage that we have set today with so many kings fighting one another and peace that seems to be so distant from our reality God will have no problem summoning people to come before him. It is even in the works now. And this picture portrays that even ones who are appointed with power, small compared to him, they will pay homage. They will have a complete reassessment of what was going on there when they were content being where they were at. It opens Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, notice this, concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So it's an important first phrase because it does seem to be that she's a spiritually hungry woman. She hungers and thirsts after righteousness, because even with everything that she's got, it does not satisfy. If it were simply of Solomon, we would see it. In essence, Solomon did so well in making so little of himself, though God said, unmistakably, you will have everything and more that no man shall ever be able to match. At this time, he brought glory to God. It was about the purposes of God and the name of God to follow the heart of his father, David. This is what made it compelling, for she would have found no God like the God of the Israelites and no king on earth that had been willing to project and to invocate the name of the Lord, his God, the children of Israel's God, the world renowned as ultimately the God that they must face like Solomon, to where on the call of the invocation, the house of the Lord filled by the spirit, and pushed everyone out. That's a mighty work. And however she would have heard of it, this was too overwhelming for her to ignore it. As she goes there, presuming that it's a long trek, in whatever manner a foreigner with dignitary credentials would receive, she is going to be awestruck even though her intent is to come to him with hard questions, which he will have no problem answering. She will be awestruck by the means in which truth comes to her. Revelation of God is given to her. And all she is able to do is render that anticipating what a king is worthy of, and in particular, this king, a picture of the king of all kings. She will give generously. She came to Jerusalem, verse two, with a very great retinue. It will include revenue, but the idea there is it's a company. So there's a lot of dust that's moving across the plains of the desert. You've seen it when you've scuffed your feet in dirt and you're leaving behind a trail that somebody else has to eat who follows behind you. That's what it is. Probably a lot of coughing, a lot of scarfing, not food yet, covering your nose and mouth. Scarfing will happen later when she gets there because of what Solomon will prepare, which is a banqueting table of the Lord, covering all of her servants and all who would visit. As she enters into Jerusalem, it says both with this retinue, a company of people. She comes with camels that bore spices, something that would be savory to the Middle Eastern foods and with that considered a delicacy at no small cost, both to find it and to refine it and to package it and deliver it. This probably would have been UPS on steroids back then. It was an amazing, thoughtful act of what we can interpret as the willingness to worship the King Sometimes that's what the Lord is misunderstood regarding. What is it that I have to worship a king? Well, have you ever tried the spice that he's given to your life? The personality that is so unique to you that you're unlike any other person that could present yourself to the Lord. Have you diminished yourself? and the sweetness and the savory essence of your personality to God. This was actual spices. But the picture is no less to us. What is it you got? What do you have in your wallet? The commercial goes. What is it that you have in your pocket? What is it that you have in your heart, in your head, concerning your desire to even travel afar or even a short distance, to worship God. An extraordinary event is happening. It's marked this way for that very purpose. Gold is with her. Precious stones are with her. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Note that the first primary justification of that trip was to ask him hard questions it seems though to me that right now that attitude is changing when she comes into the city and before his presence and it says to speak with him about all that was in her heart do you see how that is very much like us gonna ask God some hard questions I'm going to get the issue settled. I'm going to challenge him on what everybody is saying about him. I have authority. He's not getting me until he explains himself and satisfies my hard questions. And within a sentence, it seems to have changed the attitude that this woman had. Which is why to enter into the presence of God does that. The things that seem so important about the tough issues in your life seem to pale and give way to tenderness. You've had a tender question to ask of you, right? They're easily entreated. They're not threatening. They're begging for the author of the answer to entreat wisdom and knowledge. And that is the spiritual experience of authentic Christianity. God answers our questions. But people are afraid of the thunderbolt. They're afraid of the consequence. I can't talk to God about that. And I won't talk to him until he addresses the hard questions in my life. She seems to have moved from that attitude to what would be a reasonable and accommodating voicing. That's the suggestion, it seems to me. Speaking, not yelling. Yielding, not demanding. Waiting upon the king. She's a queen with bling, but she's come ultimately to pay homage to her king. She's breathless, never having seen the extraordinary work of God through a man that represents fully God. The peace that his kingdom was able to, without argument, demonstrate. The fluidity of social and spiritual life intermingling without a challenge one to the other. It was a period in which we would say represents enforced righteousness. We want that really in our hearts, don't we? We're tired of the unrighteous and of wickedness prevailing over our desperate need to have peace that is enforced. We have the peace of God within us, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, that's good. But how we want it to agree with what our culture disagrees with. We're tired of warfare, we're tired of tumult, we're tired of exaggerations of lies which are becoming embraced as truth. We're tired of it. Solomon is a picture of what happens when a king upholds righteousness for the dignity and honor of God. And he's got all of it covered. His kingdom to the known world at that time has only a border that does not limit him to the reach of the power that God has given to him. And he could use it. He could, by the authority that God had given him, vanquish the known world, slaying every nation abominable to the Lord. He set up with precision the armies to be able to do it, but he was content in very likely what was the domain that God had given to him going all the way back to Abraham moving any out that desired no business in the spiritual commerce that Israel was to represent. All of the value of this woman representing as the chief executive of her nation comes on an entourage of over 58 days. And in one moment of locking eyes with him, her disposition changes and her position changes. Our position will change our disposition. In humility, she now presents herself in the homage that is due Solomon for the sake of God, I would say she has a holy fear of the Lord and how majestic this meeting would have been. Moving towards that point, we could have any position that perhaps we would say, I'd be happy there. And the Lord would say, Actually, your disposition is unakin to that. It's quite contrary to that. The disposition will affect your position, but the position that you desire shall not become greater than the person you face with now, the Lord God. He's the one that weighs out things. He's the one that establishes the place that you're at the tear that you have, the accomplishment that he wants to satisfy in your life, the woman will be in awe. Notice what happens in verse 3. Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing, notice this, so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her is there a difference between the answer and the explanation? The explanation seems to go a bit in more detail than simply an answer. For instance, I can give you a yes and a no and a maybe. And I can call that my answer. And I would say, live with it, deal with it. That's the lot of it. But when I move from, for instance, those three possibilities, Being very satisfied. Yeah, I answered their question. And I take time to explain the reasoning of my answer. This makes a difference in what we know as a word which simply says understanding and knowledge is filling me up to a great resignation that I ain't got what I thought I had, and I need what only God can give, on His terms. It's a beautiful entreatment of saying. Yes. No. Maybe. Wait. God's entitled in His sovereignty to do in His sovereignty to do that. But oh, how it's expressed! He loves to explain things to us when we are able to say, your will be done. I like the picture. He could explain it. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her, breathless, but sustained. And I like the imagery there too of all that we see that he had and the caretaking consummately of them. Notice what it is. The scriptures say she observed his traveling to the house of the Lord. She would see him model ultimately the pilgrimage that it takes for even a king to make to the place that speaks of God. He was seen by her going to the house of God by which All he wanted to do was draw attention to the Lord. It's so easy to have attention drawn towards us, especially if you're in the public's eye. We all are. Some of us just happen to be at times magnified. That could be so with me. The question is, in the magnification that is upon me, can I magnify the Lord even greater? And that is, I believe, one of our chief accomplishments in how we are admired. Can we not say, oh, no, not me, brother, not me, sister, but say, I am so delighted that you see the Lord in what you say of me, for it is him that has given me this position. For a season, it is the Lord. It takes their breath away. Add to that, if they have no answer, nice meeting you. And by the way, God bless you on your pilgrimage to see the Lord as I see Him. Try these phrases. See how those starved for true impressions will press into the Lord because you challenge them, that their life right now is simply a dusty road but the road they need to be on is from the house of Solomon to the house of God. And they can take that journey. They can be that man, woman, and child. We were on a dusty road one time. The Lord changed things. It's a picture. It's one that I believe has great application. no spirit interverse verse 6 then she said to the king it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom however I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes and indeed the half was not told me your wisdom and prosperity they exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. One of the passages that I utilized in the graduation ceremony was this because it's a favorite of mine. And I believe it has with it the capturing of this emotion, this assessment. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold, note the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And I'll stop there. The rock implicates to the person in the position of great fear, I get a step up. To a different level now, making the Lord the priority of my pilgrimage. I get a step up. And that's what this woman in her executive position was able to see, the invitation. Everything was very impressive, but nothing more impressive than one who literally is the figurehead of both spiritual life and a picture of of a perfect king. We'll see his faults, but right now he portrays one who is by any standard of those days unmatchable. He is anointed by God. He is a picture of a perfect king, a perfect caretaker of those under his charge one who has such organizational skills and authority that he knows with precision where everything fits and where everyone has a place. I don't, sorry, but I believe in God who does and my confidence is him. When people ask of me answers for their dilemma, I say, I'm in the same situation. I'm asking God, I'm seeking the Lord. I will tell you, do the same. He is as available to you as I honestly believe he avails himself to me. Obey the Lord. Love the Lord. Seek him out. Find the place that removes you from the distractions, the burdens. Make him your objective. See him as he is. And so this is a wonderful word the wisdom being extolled, blessed, notice the outcome of this meeting, blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel, good observation queen, you've been given authority and you've been given a land. But you are rightly seeing that Israel is the love of God's eyes. And this world needs to know it. God has not changed his opinion about Israel. He will not change his opinion about the church, nor his opinion about you and the reason that he died for you, for me. She seeks wisdom, she gets a floodgate of spiritual truth that overwhelms her. The Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. She's probably going, oh my goodness, my kingdom's a mess. I don't even know why I want to return. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of, notice the spices, the sweet, the savory, that which makes everything better. There would never be such an abundance. And while you live, you are the supply of the sweet and the savory of the salt The things that make the taste of an individual desire even more to satisfy their hunger with the things of God, to satisfy their thirst with the spirit of God, the word of God. And the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon, this is surrender. This is coming to God on the terms that would be unacceptable on any other level except it's all yours. It's all yours. Moves into the other aspects of the closure of basically what Solomon has, the impressions that easily were made by what, in fact, were at his disposal but the exclamation is on whom he represents the extraordinary and consummate care of those he's in charge of and his ambassadorial gifts to welcome from afar. Those who came to see God and the city of God. There are those who have yet to travel afar to come to a place in which the Lord would say, you're my city on a hill. You're whom I light with the fire of my spirit. You're the one that is savory and sweet to their expectation. Hold your place. Keep your track. Don't get off track. Don't go by the rivers of Babylon. Keep your heart close to the harp that God wants to play. The songs that he gives you the word of truth that is within you the seed that is implanted that is able to save your soul and the word that you can give to another to save their soul the personal unique expressive signature of God in who we are if my twin brother were up here you would be probably in uniform, you'd be looking for helmets and guns and grenades, whatever a Marine uses to go to war, he would have to you a completely different perspective of what I do. He would speak to you in military terms, with military bearing, you'll see him again. I'm not painting a hard picture of him, I'm saying, There's a wiring that by vocation is different about us, but he is as effective with his Marines as I am with sheep. There is an effectiveness with military bearing that those guys need from guys who love God in the capacity that he served. I see that. I hear about it. We could not fake it. I tried to fake because we're identical I went on base, and people were coming up to me talking about the briefing that I had. I was getting past it, no, 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 I'm not, I, I am, I'm rich. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, Captain. Yeah, so you don't wanna be talking to me about really anything more, I mean. And so I'd walk away, hey, sir, and I just walk away. I had nothing to give them, even though they wanted to give me, Briefings on the briefing, and so we've actually tried to fake as twins other people. It doesn't work for me, I can't be who I'm not, it won't work for you. You can be everything that God has made you king, queen, duke, duchess. But this I know you're a believer, you're a gifted believer, you've been on pilgrimage. The destination ultimately is heaven. You need to exploit the treasures that God has given to you. Ephesians says that you're equipped with treasures. And in your humble presentation of what God has done in your life, you extol him in the name of your Lord, your God. And people say, wow, I never heard it that way. I never saw it that way. You're bringing to my heart what I've longed for. Can you tell me more? Oh, I can tell you more. But I can also bring you to a place in which all that you need to know will be presented every Sunday, every midweek, every morning. You will never lack the knowledge of the Holy One if you choose to desire to be in His presence. You will never lack. So I want to close by directing specific scripture to you, which are words of wisdom. This is what she sought. This is what she received. Not what I'm reading in full, but enough to at least say, take notes, jot down the ones that perhaps for you will be inspiring to you. I am going to take you first to Psalms 19 in this. Verse 7, 19, verse 7, Psalm. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul means it's going to change it. The law represents what God wants to teach and direct in a person's life. It'll change it. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Testimonies are the way that God sees it, not the way that you see it. Until you see him and have his perspective On what it is he sees, and say, I want it then. I want to have the perspective that you see, and I want others to have the perspective that they see in me because I see you, and it's the way that I want to see life. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The statutes are the binding force by the Spirit of God on what it is he says meaning you can trust that what he says, he'll do. He's got it in his grip, and he's got you in his hands. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is the reverence or homage that we pay to the Lord. And as we do so, he says, clean. As we do so, he says, clean slate. As we do so, he says, clean life. As we do so, Mr. Clean, Mrs. Clean, you're clean. It's really what we want because there's a lot of dirt going on in our lives, a lot of dirt clods being thrown at our lives. Some liberty taken there. The commandments of the Lord, it says, or the commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens the eye. Glasses are the mechanism in which my eyes can be. Enlighten to see better but this says that his commandments which is the power of god to convince and that's important the power of god to convince by his authority the way things should be ordered that's the way you do it lord i'm trying let me do it the way things ought to be in order i can put it in order Let my commandment do that. The fear, the judgments, more to be desired are they than gold. Even that which she brings cannot surpass that which Solomon gives. He actually gives this all to her. Everything that this would suggest in this psalm has been given to her as a full indulgence. She's topped off. She's overflowing. There's nothing more that she could ask, and she's probably going, you're kidding me. We only loaded up 30 camels with gold? What were we thinking? Do you not see we should have depleted our entire reserve and just joined them? It's not even worth going back to. I don't even want to go back. Liberty taken. She's overwhelmed. Why not say that God could affect any individual to say, I never want to go back. (sighs) God is inarguable. He's so good. Move with me, if you would, please, to Proverbs. We'll close in simply some selected passages. You can take note. Get the, whatever it's called, telecast later. Proverbs 21, she was at one time perhaps a scoffer. This is what it says in verse 11, chapter 21. When the scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise. See, even she, if her questioning was to be a scoffer, would indicate that God has a remedy for that as well. And it says that when there are scoffers in which God deals with them, the effect is the simple. Those who are simpletons, remember we use that word as opposed to the other, which is templetons, it's indicative that they all of a sudden become wise. That's why when you see the consequence upon simpletons, what is it, it's Proverbs 21.11, Proverbs 21.11. What does it do? <laughs> makes us wise. When you see somebody pulled over, and you know very well that should have been you, what does it make you wise? It makes you no longer as smart. I like it makes you wise. Somebody's getting the penalty that was due you, and you all of a sudden go, "Oh my word!" No, I'm not implying that it happened to me, but I will tell you the truth: it did happen to me. I wasn't the one pulled over. I was the one that deserved to be pulled over. So I did pull over on my own accord, that I might make it right. And I prayed for the one that was pulled over. didn't look good for him. But for me, I became wise in that very moment. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge in one incident. Oh, I become wise. Yes, Lord, I'm ready for instruction. Jump down to verse 16, please, of that same chapter. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead, We'll stop there. You can you can remain queenie. You can stay in that place of the bling. Or you can bring it all to the Lord and let him do his thing. She had a choice. She could have stayed exactly in place. But it was too overwhelming. And she moved. And guess what? Everybody that moved with her was able to be privileged to see the very same thing. Doesn't tell us what their reaction is. But I guarantee you when people are watching you on pilgrimage to see God, they're going to behave no longer as simpletons. When the reaction that you give, they will respond to, because inaction will cost, and action with regard to God will bless. Perfect picture. Move over to verse 20. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man squanders it. There's Solomon in the dwelling of the Lord. It's the dwelling of the wise. And in it, there is desirable treasure. Go down to chapter 22, verse 4. By humility, humbling yourself before Solomon. And the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Scooch over to Verse 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. I love that verse, it's important. Scooch over to chapter 23. Apply your heart, it says, to instruction and your eyes to words of knowledge down to verse 23, that was 12. Chapter 23, that was 12, this is verse 23. By the truth, or by truth, and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Scooch over to chapter 24, verse three. Through wisdom a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all, notice this, precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a wise man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Oh, how we need The counsel of God's word and the counselors of the penners of this word. Verse 10, 24. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Can't faint, folks. You got to mature in faith and believe that God's at work in your weakness, that what his power may be perfected, perfect. It's not what you have, it's what he gives. It's not who you are, it's who he is. And he has no confusion about your place and his place and what he wants to do in the very spot that you're in.